one more time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fireside Chat Fridays, <laughs> sponsored by Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse. You can hear past episodes on Straight Independent Radio. I'm your host, Samantha Pierce, spokesperson for Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse, and we're here to talk about public education here in Syracuse. And it is so appropriate that we've had technical difficulties getting on air today because the district is also having technical difficulties educating students. I'm joined today by Nicole Guerrera, a parent in the Syracuse City School District. And I'm also joined by my daughter, Sophia Pierce, who is a high school student, a high school senior in the Syracuse City School District. Yes, I completely called you out. It's going to be interesting. I have a teenager. <laughs> I have a teenager here joining this conversation. So we have seen so far, we've been in school for a little over a month, and we've seen all the shenanigans happening in the Syracuse City School District. Students are imploding. There's ongoing violence in school buildings. And everyone is incredibly frustrated. I know th the parents I talk to are incredibly frustrated about how things are going so far this school year. Now, Nicole, I wanted to talk with you a little bit. I asked you to join us after hearing a little bit about how things are going for you and your kiddo at the beginning of the school year. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you so far during the school year? So um, just a little bit of backstory. Aiden has been home. I have a five-year-old son. He, his name is Aiden. Uh, he has never been diagnosed with autism, but he has been diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and for the two years that he was home, I've always been a single mom, so I always worked. And these last two years we've bonded. He got really attached. And when school started, there was just a huge disconnect. You know, they really, even though that Aiden was in a special ed class, they just had a disconnect with me, my son, and what Aiden needs as far as what is happening. I am so upset right now. <laughs> so I hear that you're experiencing those ongoing challenges that face families and students who receive special education services here in the school district. And yes, it's a, an ongoing problem where I found where whenever I speak to families who are receiving special education services for their students, there's always a lot of misinformation um, that families have been told about what resources are available to them and what they can expect to happen with their students in a classroom. And I think Nicole is back with us. In any case, there, we know that there is a nationwide shortage of qualified teaching staff. We know that there was a shortage of special education teachers before the pandemic. There was? Yes. That explains a lot. Yes, there was. And yes, it does explain a lot of things. The, the issue is that the, um, COVID has made all of these things worse. And we know that they've made them worse. The challenge that we're facing right now is not to say how bad things are. Well, we, no, that won't do anything. We already know how bad it is. Yes, we already know how bad things are. The challenge now is to find solutions. A little bit of on-air troubleshooting, folks. Now, Sophia, you've, you, you've, rightly, you've rightly mentioned that a part of the problem with the delivery of special education services is that we don't have enough staff in the district. 
well, we don't have enough staff in the district and we don't have enough actually qualified staff. And that is very clearly evident if you actually pay attention to what kind, like how the special ed teachers are treating students who are like in the special education programs. Hmm. Well, yes, the, the special education teachers are, I, I'd, I'd say that they have never had an appropriate level of support. No, not really. To care for their students. I would, And I think, I also think a lot of them haven't even had proper training. Yes, the, the training that our teaching staff receives is a, good. Is, it's a chronic issue. It's not equipping them to serve the students that are showing up in their classrooms. Why am I on this side? Your camera's flipped. Do we have to have that conversation now? I mean, no, but that freaked me out just now. This is a live show. <laughs> I hope it's not being camera then. So the question is, how do we support our educators so that they have the resources that they need to work with our students? Get more funding for the school district so that they can use that funding to invest in better training programs so that we can get better training for teachers and also hire more teachers and pay them better. Mm. That, that sounds like a reasonable plan. Now, folks, those of you listening live, you are welcome to share your questions and your comments, your concerns in the chat, because this episode is really about what families and students are experiencing and what we can do to make schools a safe place to learn and work. Now, I, I always say, that I want teachers who are working with my kids to come into the building and be excited to be there. And that's clearly not happening right now. Teachers are overworked, they're stressed, they don't have enough support, they're demoralized, and this is not a good situation for, for my students or for your students. Now, Sophia, I, wanted, I want you to chime in here because you've had some, mm -hmm. some good insights and I'm, I'm hoping that we can get Nicole back into the conversation. <laughs> Soon. But um, Sophia, you've had some good insights on what it takes or what should be happening in classrooms to support students and teachers. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Um, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I've never described it like that. I've never described it like that. So what would you want to see happening for your teachers and for yourself and your peers. Well, sorry, read that. Say that again. <laughs> what would you like to see happening for your teachers and happening for your your peers, for your fellow students? Stop taking my food. Okay. Mister <laughs> Dearest is in here and keeps trying to steal my food. Um, I may regret this. Yeah. Um. Well, first of all, pay the teachers more because they definitely are not getting paid enough as is. Mm -hmm. um, again, invest in better training for all the teachers. And like, I, there needs to be more transparency about mental health and like the sheer importance of it, especially when like school nowadays is so focused on like getting good grades and pushing people to graduate and going to college. That's all really stressful and tolling on students' mental mm -hmm. health. And there has been almost no focus on it the entire time I've been in school. And I'm a senior this year. Mm. And tell us a little bit about what I know what that we have asked before and about making social-emotional learning a part of 
the the curriculum, the culture of the Syracuse City School District. So what are you experiencing in terms of that particular resource availability for families? What do you mean? How's the social emotional learning going? Um, according to what I've heard from other people at school, some teachers just like aren't doing it. Okay. Which I kind of feel bad saying on the internet because that will probably get them in trouble. But like, there is a reason that they started doing it in the first place. Mm. Um, but me personally, we've like in my class where we do it, we've kind of been doing basic stuff. We're starting to go more into like, because what my teacher did, um, they what did what did we do oh they had us write down suggestions for what we should do for our sel time in class on like index cards and then they would be taking them as like suggestions basically and then like do some of them if it's like a not reasonable idea for whatever reason they would like not do that but um i don't know i like that um, my teacher is taking input and like taking it seriously, even if some of the students in the class aren't. Mm. And I think all the teachers should be treating it the same way as that. Um, okay. Yeah. So we have uh, unapologetically Joshua Michael King joining this conversation right now. And uh, it looks like Nicole is making a valiant effort to rejoin our conversation. So we've been having this conversation, Josh, about what is going on in the Syracuse City School District, in the school buildings right now, how that's impacting students, how it's impacting staff, and how it is impacting families. And we've got a lot of frustrated families, a lot of aggravated students, and demoralized teachers. So, Josh, what are, you, what are you seeing in terms of how families are experiencing this? And where's the conversation around how we gather resources to change what's going on in classrooms? Well, first of all, thank you for having oh, You're on mute. <laughs> thank you so much for reminding me I was on mute. And thank you, of course, for having me here on Fireside Chat Fridays. Um, what I can start with is surely by letting our community know in Syracuse, the parents, the teachers, this issue is not exclusive to our urban environment, right? The things that we're seeing happening publicly are happening in all of our school districts, all of the districts in our area and across the country. And I think that certainly there is something to be said about this trend uh, of what's happening, uh, what normally would have been handled internally, now making it out publicly. Now that it has reached a, a, a level where it has drawn the community's attention, we're seeing it on television, we're seeing it in the papers, and we're seeing these young people sharing uh, their experiences with us sometimes in, in real time through social media. And, and so as we are experiencing all of this simultaneously, this is a call to action for our community to really step forward and pool our resources. There are plenty of solutions that have yet to be brought to the table um, as far as how do we go about addressing these concerns. Our young people are for a lack of a better word, they are overstimulated and underwhelmed with what we are attempting to get them to achieve inside the traditional setting, which is ex exactly why uh, last year, myself and, and uh, a tribe of families really worked to develop the Academy of Excellence and work on different policies and programming and productions that really offer additional options and opportunities um, and really confront some of these issues head on and offer, most importantly, offering viable solutions, um, options and opportunities. Mm. 
So what I can say is, is that help is on the way and that there are people working both inside this, the school districts and, and throughout the community to figure out what is the best course of action. We know that uh, potentially students could be sent back to a remote learning uh, experience due to the lack of, of uh, control in some of the buildings. And that is... That's alarming because we learned already that we weren't necessarily prepared for our young people to be on a remote option. We know we have issues with access. And I just really feel like what we're seeing today is uh, nothing exclusive. It is nothing new. These situations and instances have been occurring for, for decades. And for decades, we've been able to... Uh, allow it to fly under the radar because it's always been at the will uh, of the communication of the school district. Now that we have technology, now young people and parents and community members are being vigilant where we are uh, being far more engaged and active with the process. Um, now that folks are really beginning to understand what it is that is actually expected of our young people. The, the opportunity for us to be on remote learning for these last year and a half, two years, has really been an eye-opener uh, for a lot of homes. And, and, and again, I can't stress enough why we uh, worked together to create the Academy of Excellence. Why platforms like this, Samantha, and what you've put forward with Fireside Chat Fridays, it's a remarkable opportunity for these issues um, and conversations to be had in, in real time and from real people uh, addressing these very real situations. Now, Nicole's still having some technical difficulty on her end, but I, I want to focus for the moment on what families are experiencing and what students are experiencing as this attempt to go back to normal, to go back to the way things were before, is kind of going off the rails. I hear a lot of frustration and fear in families' voices as they speak about what's happening in the school buildings. And I hear that families think that there's something extra specially bad happening in the Syracuse City School District. So I appreciate your pointing out that this is happening in school districts across the country where students are coming back into classrooms, being expected to act as if pandemic didn't happen and that as if that didn't influence them. And it's Come not out. working. Sophia, you wanted to say something? What did you, you said something about like, this is like a new thing to the school. What did you say? You said something that sounded weird. I said that this is not something unique to the Syracuse City School District. No, this has been happening for years. Granted, not necessarily to this level, but like violence in the school buildings, like with students going at other students has been happening for years and I've witnessed it. Mm. Like that's not new and it hasn't ever been new. Yeah. Agreed. No, I, I think that you hit it right on the head um, in, in terms of, of what our young from the young person's perspective. Right. We again, I, I, I have captured some of this same uh, content on the uprising um, and, and we've all arrived at. The, the very same conclusions, you know, just like she just stated, none of this is new, uh, but a new process of how we address it has to occur uh, now, right? We are losing young people left and right. We know that, you know, there's only so much that school districts can do. And we have spent far too much time uh, talking about what the problems are. We know what the problems are. We know where, where they are. And we know that the where is everywhere. None of this, again, is exclusive. It's not new. The ways in which it's being captured, though, uh, of course, further marginalize and further disenfranchise populations like what we're seeing here in Syracuse, in Syracuse City School District. It is 
one of the largest school districts uh, here and, and, and in our county, and it is constantly under the scrutiny and judgment of the community for things that we know are happening all over. So what makes our environment in Syracuse that much different than a Liverpool or West Genesee or West Hill? These things are happening in real time in those locations as well. We're just not hearing about it. We've heard about a few incidences coming out of Liverpool but we know that these things are recurring consistently across the board. We can't continue to have conversations uh, about it and continue to allow uh, uh, and, and forget about allowing them to. They're almost forced to have to deal with these issues internally because they don't have the support and the resources uh, from the community in order to pull off what needs to be done. We are short on teachers. We are short on teacher's assistance, support staff, security. There is and has been for quite some time a, a, a very huge gap in the personnel that is needed to operate a school. And only now are we really starting to hear about just how severe it actually is. Transportation is another huge issue that is, is further exacerbating and, and allowing and, and creating these opportunities for more things to occur. There were, you know, fights after school on, on all four sides of town, all four sides of town on the same exact day at, at, at ideally the same exact time. So that tells us a lot about what we're not doing solution-wise. I, I recognize that there are people who are working very hard to address these issues. And we put out, you know, as the CEO of the Academy of Excellence and, and a leader in this community, I put out the call to action. We are working double, triple overtime to create more options and more opportunities. And there are so many different programs who are needing to tap into this community and the community has to start tapping into itself. And we're seeing that, which is exactly why we're now uh, having more conversations about this. And finally, folks have gotten to the level where parents are, 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 are not going to allow their, their young people to continue to have to experience uh, these, these situations. Yeah, um, Nicole is still having technical difficulty, but she's share in the chat. Oh, wait, there you are. I've been here. <laughs> so go ahead and share your insights with us, Nicole. So, okay. Um, like I was explaining at the beginning of the video, I'm not sure what was going on, but I've had just a lot of difficulty within the last year and this year just with communication. And, you know, a lot of patient, a lot of parents are patient, but the staff is just so overwhelmed at every school. And it's, you know, we're, I'm trying to be patient with everything that's going on, but I had explained to Sam about a situation that happened the other day with Aiden on the bus. And Aiden is in a special needs class, so he's supposed to sit up front. There's supposed to be an aide on the bus, you know, normal stuff like that. Well, the bus driver didn't have a bus aide, and somehow, some way, Aiden was put to the back of the bus where all the middle school kids are, well, the older kids, eighth graders. And I'm not sure what transpired, but the outcome was the back, Aiden's backpack getting wrapped around his neck. And Oh, okay. Um, Aiden's Aiden's backpack getting wrapped around his neck. He had two bruises on his neck, and the bus driver was just like, "I'm really sorry. I, I didn't know he couldn't be back there. I wasn't aware." And it just is a lack of communication, right? It's not the bus driver's fault or anything like that, but there's there's just a disconnect. People are trying to do their jobs. It's not about people looking out for the kids. It's not about people looking out for what could be right, what could be wrong. A child who is scared and upset may, may not be acting like a normal kid looking out the bus window, right? They might be screaming. They might be starting an issue. And these kids that were on the bus decided... Okay. I love it. Thank you. Um, welcome to my life. 
you know, the kids on the bus just thought it was funny. You know, we wrapped his backpack around his neck and we threw it around and it was just a really funny time. And my son is five. My son has ADHD. My son has some spectrum tendencies, right? He's very interested in what's going on. I don't so. want He just wanted to say hey. He didn't want his food that I made. Mind you, he ate half of the bowl of food that I made for him. And now we're, we're good. Um, so there's just this huge disconnect between the employees at the school, right? There's a disconnect between the teachers. Everyone is tired. Everyone is giving the same generic answers. Yes, we know what you're going through. And yes, we are trying our hardest. And yes, it is going to get better. But the decline is rapid. Um, like I said, you all were talking about fighting. Aiden goes over to Frazier and the amount of fights that break out there in front of kindergartners and first graders is like insane. And half the time, you know, the people that are around, the adults are around, are just watching. And I'm not sure where we get to the point where we start having the energy for our youth, but it's, it's a struggle daily, especially when you explain, okay, my kid is like this. This is how he copes. These are his mechanisms and they still can't connect with you on that. Yeah. And what you're describing, this is it's again, this isn't new these things happening to students who receive special education services. This has been happening all along. And the, the problem has been there all along. And with, as with so, so many things, so many societal ills, the pandemic has made it that much worse. Sophia, I, I wanna bring you back into the conversation now about what you see uh, happening for students, particularly students in, in your school receiving special education services. Oh. Are things better, worse, about the same? Uh, I don't know. I don't have that much exposure to the special education programs anymore. Mm. But like at Ed Smith, it was like pretty bad sometimes. Mm. Like they've they've gotten a lot better, but there there was this one time where it was like really bad, and me and the other girl who I was with, because it was um, it was the day where they had some of either the seventh or eighth graders go down and talk with either fifth or sixth graders. I think it might have been fifth graders who were coming into middle school and like yeah. talk to them about what it was yeah. about. And we got sat at a table with two special ed students who we like already kind of knew. And we were like, oh, okay, cool. But me and the other girl both knew like how to deal with people with special needs because I have brothers with special needs and her mom works with people with special needs for a living. She's like a caretaker. And we were watching this whole situation go down and we were like, um... No, <laughs> all of this should not be happening. So I, I'm hearing that, you know, from your experience, we've been lacking in the training for staff and the resources for staff. Yes, to, absolutely. To adequately serve students. Now, the, the question becomes, what are the solutions? We know, again, we know what the problems are. What are we going to do for solutions? How are we going to transform this school district so that teachers enjoy working, students enjoy going to school, parents aren't stressed out about what is happening in the classrooms every day, and they're not stressed out because there's not an open line of communication between the school and home. How do we do this? It'd be great if someone did some research about this and figured out how to do that. You know how you do that with money? <laughs> Guess what? You know how you have done money. the research. Oh, really? And they figured out how this works. And how it works is you train the staff you already have. You make sure that you create an environment 
for staff to decompress, for students to decompress. And I'm not talking about like 10 minutes towards the end of the day. Oh, it's not. It's at like third period. Oh, 10 minutes and during third period for, for your school. There needs to be an investment in time to do things correctly. Now, I, 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 I got the news a couple hours ago that several of the schools in the district are going to be starting later in the day. Wait, really? To deal with the transportation shortage. I was unaware of this. I'm a student. Wait, when did, mm, questions. So here we have another example of the, the communication failing to get to where it needs. This isn't even communication. It's straight up lack thereof. In a timely manner. No, they, it's not. No, they just don't tell us. There, it's not any communication, just not like it's too slow. They just don't tell us things. The okay. same way that parents don't get told that there was like, some sort of drill, or there was like uh, a fight or a lockdown. Yeah, a fight, or they had to lock down the school for an amount of time for whatever reason. Parents almost never get notified of that mm. until their kids come home and start talking about it. Yes. Or they get texts in the middle of the day with their kids talking about it, and then the parents get all worried. Mm -hmm. I, I know I've received some concerning texts. <laughs> You well, have. I don't like mean to add to that, but then if you have a child who is, you know, little, mm -hmm. you really are in the dark. I mean, like I said, the bus situation happened with Aiden, and then the next day, the bus didn't even show up. I wasn't informed. Nobody told me. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you know a little bit of my story. I'm like, you know, if I had to get to a job, and it, it's so cutthroat right now, an employer would be like, I don't care. And it, it's like Sophia said, the lack of communication is, it, it's just, we are entrusting all of these individuals to care for our children and, you know, make sure that they're safe throughout the day. And we have no idea if they are or not until <laughs> the consequences happen. So until you happen to find out somewhere by hook or by crook. <laughs> from someone else. And it's an especially concerning situation for students who are nonverbal or have limited verbal communication. And we've got a, we've got a comment here in in the in the chat from my bestie Julie, Julie Reedy, if everyone did their jobs and read each child's IEP, we Ooh, could be yeah. in a better place. Yeah, be like mm. Yes. It makes me so angry. So many of my friends have IEPs or 504 plans and I'll be talking about like whatever with them and then they'll bring something up that regards it and I'm like, huh? What? That doesn't make sense. Shouldn't that be in your IEP or your 504 plan? And they're like, you think they read those? And I'm sitting here like, they're required to by law. Are they not? Mm. They are required by law to read those IEPs. And also, they're required by law to follow said IEPs and 504 plans. And it's on it, like, it is so insulting that they either don't read them at all, or they read them and then will refuse them. Hmm. So, where does that come from? I don't know! I, I can't imagine that- Somewhere along the line, it comes from some point of ableism. I, I can't imagine, though, that educators get into the field of education to refuse to take the steps to help educate their students. Now, I'm 100% I'm certain that a significant portion of the problem is that teachers do not have the appropriate level of support from those above them to have the time to read those IEPs. Oh, they absolutely don't. To understand what's in those IEPs and to figure out how to implement those IEPs. That's like a, a basic need for the staff yeah. to be successful working with their students. So I'm here saying this out loud in public that this is what we need. I've said it out loud to the appropriate people in the district and I encourage 
you listeners to say it out loud to the people in the district. On the Syracuse City School District School District website, if you scroll scroll through, you will find a little icon that says LT, let's talk. Go ahead and click on that and let the district leadership know what exactly we need them to do for our students. Now, getting back to talking about what we can do right now to support our students and to support our teachers. And I don't think people fully understand really that if you're not supporting both of those populations, nothing is mm. like you have to be supporting teachers and students because they literally work together hand in hand. Both of them, both groups of people are in the school for hours a day. They ba we basically live there. <laughs> we basically live there, especially if teachers and students are doing extracurriculars. You, I have been at school for 14 hours a day mm. on like, and that wasn't, that's been a normal thing for me. Hopefully it'll be a normal thing this year. I am choosing to do this. It, it's a hectic schedule, but like I'm volunteering myself to do this. You're, okay. You're volunteering. I just want to clarify that. Okay. No. So what are the things that we can do right now to support both students and teachers? Because what benefits teachers, well, theoretically benefits students, and what benefits students benefit teachers. Now, I, in talking with lots of different people about this, one common theme is this sense of paralysis that we can't do anything. Oh my gosh. It's, you know, it's so complicated. It's not though. We know what we need to do. We just don't have the means to actually do it. Well, the district has okay. lots of money. Yeah. The county has lots of money. Uh-huh. And the state also has lots of money. The state also has lots of money. Um, you know where it's not going? Yes. The places that actually need it. Yes. You know where it is going? An aquarium. Uh-oh. I was trying to be diplomatic about that. <laughs> Listen, I saw I saw the Syracuse.com post on Instagram and I was looking through the comments and I'm like, these are just out of pocket. Yeah. So those of us who are in the know about education are seriously scratching our heads at the decision to try to spend $85 million on an aquarium. On when, the lakeside. When you can where nobody goes. You could build a few school buildings. Not only could you build a few school buildings, you would be able to like fully train and fund staff for mm. those buildings and also all the existing staff in the existing buildings. Yes. So this is something that we understand and it's something that we need to make our elected officials, our leaders, these decision makers understand as well. We don't want an aquarium. We want our teachers and our students to feel safe and welcomed and supported in the classroom. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, an aquarium would be cool, but, like, if teachers aren't getting paid enough to be able to support their families and have enough money to go to said aquarium, and if students aren't being able to get the education that they need, I, like, we have so many better priorities than an aquarium to be investing money in, hmm. and especially such a large amount of money. Like, that just genuinely seems unreasonable. Yeah. And I don't know why Zoom is being so buggy, but it's, it's giving us issues anyway. We hope you're still there. And yes, they're, they're, alongside this paralysis about taking action steps to support students and educators in the classroom, there seems to be this complete obliviousness to how to what the priorities need to be. Oh, totally. For, for the city of Syracuse, for the county. And okay, yes, it's a great goal to try to get people to come and visit. It's even better 
to do things that will encourage people to come live. Yeah. Like investing in our public schools. Now, this is no quick fix. As, as we've said, as we've said here in this conversation and uh, Josh and Nicole had to leave us. So it's just the Pierce family show at the moment. This is two of us. Jewel left. So I lost my train of thought. You have to stop. Well, I don't know what you want me to do. It's like this at our house all the time. It's important to do things that will support the people who are already here. Yeah. That's how you get other people to take a look and say, oh, they support the people who live here. We should go live there. Yeah, when you neglect the people who already live there to try and get more people who don't live here to come and visit and be like, ooh, shiny. It's really insulting to the people who already live here who know that it sucks and know that nobody's doing anything to fix it. So let's let's talk about like some some action steps, real things that can be done right now, Tuesday morning, when everybody rolls back into the building. Teacher training. Teacher training. Okay, that takes a little bit of time, but what can we do? Well, you set aside some time for everybody to debrief yeah. throughout the day. Every school has a teacher lounge. Make it less like a dungeon. Put some, you know, what? clear out the old furniture that you might be storing in the teacher lounge. Put a comfy couch in there. You know, put some nice snacks in there. Play some nice calming music. And then give people the time to actually go to the lounge and relax and decompress. Yeah. So that they have... The, the, the emotional and mental capacity to be able to help their students also decompress. Make a place where students can go and decompress. Have a comfy couch, snacks, music, low lighting. Yes. And open, easy access to that space for decompressing. Well, here's the thing. You have those spaces, but then nobody wants to go and use them because it would be interrupting like their school day and you would get penalized in some way for not going to your class. And the other Which thing, is another huge issue. And the other thing is give students the freedom to utilize those self-regulation tools like a, a cool down area. I don't even think we have anything like that. Like, I think the closest thing we have to anything like that is either, like, the nurse's office or um, the, what are they? Student support. That's mm -hmm. what it's called. Like, the offices of different people in student support. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's it. Those places are already there. And nobody uses them. And as far as I know, nobody uses them. Well, so... I've used each of them, like, exactly once. And the time I went to the nurse's office was because I was, like, actually had a medical issue that was affecting my eyes and I needed somewhere to sit. So here's the thing. Tuesday morning, take a look around the nurse's office. Take a look around the student support office. And see how you can make that more comfortable and welcoming to students. Stop penalizing students when they try to utilize those resources to self regulate even just taking a break from your class to go to the bathroom to decompress gets penalized like you so luckily this hasn't happened in my school but several schools like all the bathrooms are actually it has it is in my school i'm i'm a liar like the bathrooms are almost always locked and you have to go ask one of the sentries or security guards to unlock it for you you can't go within the first or last 10 minutes of the class period like, why? Why have bathrooms <laughs> if you can't use them? I, I imagine that's a, 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 ver a source of frustration for students. Yes. So it's, it's things like these, these kinds of policies. There are things that seem so basic on the surface level, but actually, like, mean a lot once you, like, if you're feeling really stressed out and you want to just go and sit in the bathroom for a bit to take a break, it means so much more when you can't go because of some rule that is maybe supposed to be good. Like, it's supposed to be a good thing to keep people out of the halls, but ultimately it just harms everybody. 
like that hurts realizing that yeah. when you can't have that one thing. And that's something that can be changed Tuesday morning. That's when, something that can be changed now. Okay, it can be changed now before the kids come back to the buildings. Reviewing policies and asking, why do we do it this way? That's something we can do right now. Reviewing policies and asking, is this serving our students and our staff? No. Not really. Given the state of what's going on now, the no. answer is going to be no a lot of the time. And when we realize that the answer is no, then you go on to, well, what should we do instead? Clearly something different. <laughs> and what is the goal of public education? Mm. Why are we sending the children into the school building? Why are the teachers there alongside the children. Okay, but if you go into the history of public school, that actually gets really touchy. <laughs> Maybe we'll open up that can of worms in another episode. So, all I'm saying is factory children. <laughs> again, am I wrong? Again, we want to kind of, we want to break out of this paralysis of thinking, oh my gosh, this is so bad, this is so, so bad, this is so bad, this is so hard. Oh it's my so gosh, bad, stop, so stop. Yes, exactly. We know, it, it, we've been new. It feels like that. Now we need to transition this conversation to what do we do about it? And there is something that we can do about it. There has been decades of research on trauma-sensitive schooling which addresses exactly the issues that students and staff are having in the Syracuse City School District right now. Look it up, trauma-sensitive schools. We know what to do to support our students and our staff. And now it's time for us to push for it. Parents, families, we are in a position where we can get put our voices together and say loudly that we will not accept the way that things have been. We can say loudly that we will not accept our students being stressed, our teachers being stressed, and not having the right resources. We can put our voices together and say, no, these are the actual priorities that we want our elected officials working on. These are the actual priorities that we want our school district leadership to be working on. And to be clear, this is not an easy task. Being in district leadership right now has to be one of, one of the hardest jobs, aside from being the one who has to decide in a hospital who gets to live and who dies. So we want our district leadership as well to have the support and the resources that they need. And we want those doors of communication open. We don't want to find out information about our children's schedules, our, what's going on in our schools through the rumor mill and the grapevine. We want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, okay? And we have an opportunity right now to put in place meaningful change that will as positively impact the city of Syracuse for generations. Are we willing? I hope we are. I, well, <laughs> yes, I would hope we are too. So I, I want to thank everyone for joining into this joining in on this conversation, chaotic as it was. <laughs> and I want to say that Parents for Public Schools of Syracuse is going to be working on bringing families and educators together so that we can work together to and push for those meaningful changes 
for our students, for our schools, and have those conversations about well, what actually works to support students and educators in a classroom. Because our educators are frontline workers right now. They are seeing our students fall apart. They're struggling to keep themselves together as they watch our students fall apart. And we don't want our students falling apart. We don't want our teachers falling apart. So I'm extending the invitation for families and educators and our civic leaders, our elected officials, to come together and sit at the table and hash out what we are going to do in order to support our students, support our educators, and transform this district. Transformation is possible. Not easy. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that we're claiming that this is easy. Because if it was easy, it would have been done two decades ago. <laughs> and we'd be having a completely different experience and conversation right now. So follow Parents for Public Schools on Facebook and keep an eye out for those opportunities, those events, where we're calling people to the table to sit down and do the work of pulling those resources together for our students and for our staff. I want to thank you everyone for listening in. You are listening to Fireside Chat Fridays on Parents for Public Schools. We are sponsored by Parents for Public Schools and you can hear previous episodes on Straight Independent Radio. Thank you everyone and now it's off to do battle with a cranky Zoom. Good night. <laughs>